The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Welcome to Authentic Living. Have you ever had trouble talking or listening to your teenager? Do discussions turn into eruptions? Today's expert in teen-parent relations can offer you some real help. Linda Wolf is the founder and executive director of Teen Talking Circles, a not-for-profit organization that provides local groups for teenage boys and girls and national training for adults who interact with teens. She's the co-author of Speaking and Listening from the Heart, The Art of Facilitating Teen Talk Circles, Daughters of the Moon, Sisters of the Sun, Young Women and Mentors on the Transition to Womanhood, and Global Uprising, Confronting the Tyrannies of the 21st Century, Stories from a New Generation of Activists. She and her staff have interviewed some of the world's leaders, particularly regarding girls' and women's issues, including the Indigo Girls, Maya Angelou, Lindsay Wagner, Vandan Shiva, Vicki Robin, and Jean Shinoda Bolin. Speaking and listening from the heart is what authenticity is all about, whether we're speaking to our partners, our children, or our coworkers. And yet it is one of the hardest things for us to allow ourselves to do. And that's why we're talking about it today, particularly with, with regard to adolescence. Linda, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you took of your time today to help our listeners understand this whole idea of talking and listening to teens. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to come. Okay. Well, tell me first, how in the world did you get started with these teen talking circles? Well, um, my daughters, Genevieve and Heather, were uh, 7 and 10, and I had uh, really felt um, comfortable and um, wise about how to bring them into the world, but as they were approaching their adolescence, I started to feel really scared that they would have to go through some of the pain that I went through, um, and I wanted to help them navigate through that on easy, you know, more easily and also with a lot more consciousness. So I thought one thing that would help them very much would be if I wrote a book um, with a colleague of mine about, um, oh, giving them, uh, giving them access to a lot of the conscious witness raising and, and wisdom um, Mytho- uh, methodologies that I had discovered when I was a teenager in the 1960s um, because I was part of uh, a movement at that time for, to empower women. And uh, many of the, the women who had helped me through reading their books or learning, um, learning from them I thought would be very helpful for teenagers because it didn't seem as though anything was around in 1993 like I, what I had in the 1970s. 
So um, I, start, I brought together a group of 21 teen girls with a colleague of mine. Uh, mind. Her name is Wind Hughes. And she and I, she's a psychotherapist, and she and I met with the girls for 10 weeks to ask them what they would want in a book that would be for them that wouldn't be another book for adults to make adults feel comfortable about what teenagers are going through, but would really be a book that girls passed around to each other and said, hey, 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 look at this. This is something real, and this really relates to me. Well, during those 10 weeks, the girls we brought together begged us not to stop with the talking circle itself. We called it a focus group at the time, a focus group to focus on the issues that girls were really dealing with back then, well, some of which were exactly the same as what we're dealing with today as well as um, what we dealt with as teenagers ourselves. And when the 10 weeks were near to be up, the girls begged us not to stop the talking circle itself. They really, really wanted to um, continue meeting once a week like we were doing in a small, safe space. And we continued to do that for two years until such time as um, we realized that um, we had to put it all down in a book. And the book then was formed out of the talking circle. Okay. So then from there, the talking circle itself seemed to take a life of its own. Well, it did because uh, young people told us they didn't have anywhere else where they felt safe to tell the truth like this in a circle where they knew they wouldn't be judged or criticized or um, ostracized for who they really are, but they could be their full selves and supported and accepted um, and loved and seen. Because uh, we didn't, we as, there were two uh, adult facilitators, as there are two adult facilitators in every girls or guys or gender talks talking circle, and the facilitators... Um, really weren't there to tell them what to do. We were there more to listen, and if they asked us for our opinion or if we asked them if it was okay if we gave our opinion, then we did. It's very different than being a mother, although um, because as a mother I know that a lot of things that my daughters go through and tell me will trigger me into fear um, more quickly than if I'm hearing that from a younger, um, from a young woman who's not my daughter, who I can have a little more distance with emotionally and less fear. Um, but yet also it was very interesting because my daughters were also in my groups. So we developed um, a great deal of, um, a, a great many relationship skills by having to face a lot of this stuff together. Right, and isn't that fear so much part of the reactivity that we as parents tend to give our children instead of listening? Oh, absolutely, and it goes both ways. Our, our children react to us, and we react to them oftentimes without taking the time to really just be able to sit with and listen to and hold, um, hold what's going on for the other person, not just what's going on for the for the young person, but also what's going on for the adult. Mm -hmm. And that's a great lesson, too, for young people to learn, is how do I sit with my parents and without getting triggered and really listen to them, knowing I don't have to agree with them, just like we don't have to agree with our children if they are um, saying something that we don't agree with, but we simply can listen mm -hmm. and hear them. Yeah. 
You know, uh, one of the first words you used in this in this program was consciousness. You said that um, you wanted your children to grow up into that adolescent period with a little bit more consciousness, and those. Uh, terms <laughs> in the mainstream world, those two terms are oxymoron, adolescent and consciousness. And I, I guess, um, you know, that's one of the things that we have to begin to believe as adults is that our children can be actually conscious. Well, our, our children are conscious. They are conscious. They're conscious of a lot of things that, um, as we were conscious of a lot when we were teenagers, too. It's a very exciting period of time. It's just that they're... Um, we take risks uh, when we're teenagers, um, and those risks aren't always bad. They aren't always as dangerous as we adults think they are. Sometimes they are powerful learning experiences um, of a very deeply near shamanic, uh, you know, uh, sense because they teach. They teach our children what it is that they don't want in their lives and what it is that they do. Sometimes being, you know, taking those risks and putting oneself out like that um, can be the best thing a young person can do. It's just that we adults, particularly parents, are terrified for our children's lives, that they'll do something that will that they'll die from or they'll do something that will hurt them so da- and damage so damage their lives that they, their lives will be compromised, and we don't want to see that happening. We don't want them to, to hurt themselves in any way. Mm-hmm. And so we, we tend to hold very tightly to our children and want to keep them from hurting themselves when the hurt itself, the wound, can also be one of their greatest teachers. And that's a hard thing, that's a hard thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, and I think that's... Um, I think that is one of the things that we struggle with the most is the sense that somehow, particularly in this age, when parenting is such a big deal for most of us and there's such so much guilt passed around, that we tend to think that our children are to be protected at all costs from all harm and nothing bad is ever supposed to happen to them. And we will even stay in a bad marriage or an, even an abusive marriage in order to protect our children and make all kinds of decisions that aren't really protecting our children in order to protect our children out of that sort of blindness blindness and mindset that says, you know, we have to protect our children. And what you're saying is so much more true, and that is that our children gain just as much from life experience as we can as adults. Yes, and I think that when there's a line of communication open between a young person and an adult that is that goes two ways, that, as we say, very conscious but also very compassionate, um, to develop, com- there's so much compassion in a young person. I mean, when you talk to young people and they hear uh, stories that are um, about, oh, uh, people who are hurting and or animals who are hurting, uh, the depth of compassion is so rich and so present in so many young people. Mm-hmm. The point is to develop compassion in side of deep relationships, especially relationships that, where there's so much triggering going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes this takes a tremendous amount of effort on the part of both a young person as well as an adult to actually sit and extend to the other um, 
a belief and a knowledge and a knowing that the other person is a human being, a oneness, a separate and unique and, and, and connected at the same time, but outside of the role of mother or outside of the role as daughter or son, we are human beings, and whatever we're going through, um, we need to honor in each other as human beings. If we can sit there and listen to the human being who suffers, the mother who suffers with fear, and, uh, and listen to the mother saying what, what that is that's going on with, with, her, with her daughter. You know, I'm afraid you're going to hurt yourself. I'm terrified because I blah, 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 blah. And if a young person sits there and listens to that without defending, without criticizing, without pushing away, but simply surrenders to listen to the mother, and the mother can do the same with the daughter, a lot of new decisions can be made, but they would be made from the inside out and not be enforced decisions. Okay. That's beautifully said. We're going to talk some more about that kind of listening when we get back from the break. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living. I don't the wolf. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. 
are listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today with Linda Wolf, who is the founder and executive director of Teen Talking Circles. And you can find that at www.teentalkingcircles.com. And we'll talk some more about that later. But I wanted to follow up on our last, uh, what we said last when you were talking just before the break. You were talking about being triggered and, and, and talking in a very, uh, with people, with others, with the parent, with the child, about. Uh, in a very vulnerable, the way I saw it, very vulnerable fashion that really confesses your truth instead of sort of telling the other person what to do because you're afraid. How do you know, how would a parent or a child or an adolescent know when they're being triggered? Well, um, I think it requires us to be self-conscious, not self-conscious in the way of being uncomfortable about, you know, ourselves, but to be conscious about ourselves, to um, feel ourselves inside when we are out of control. Not that it's a bad thing to be out of control. We have to be in control all the time, but just out of control in the sense that uh, we aren't able to stop ourselves and see each other's wholeness anymore. We can't feel our own and we can't feel the other. We just are acting out. We're um, screaming sometimes. You know, it, we can see when we're, when we're, we've just lost it. We've lost uh, a center. We've lost our own center and we've lost connection to our center and we're just responding rather than being able to think um, have the spaciousness to hold the other, uh, the other's being as divine, ourselves as divine. I mean, it, we're, we've just lost it. And it's easy for us to do that. It's easy for mothers and daughters to go to that place, or mothers and sons, or fathers and daughters, and fathers and sons, and mothers and fathers. It's easy, it's easy for friends to sometimes get there, although it's a little, we have a little more, um, distance and, and practice at uh, not necessarily showing so much of our vulnerability with people that we don't trust maybe in our lives for the rest of our lives and with usually and very often in parent-child um, relationships, you trust, you believe that person loves me and will, I can, you know, the worst of me can come out and they still love me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we... When we become conscious of the fact that we have lost it, we're out of control, we're just in a reactionary mode, we can stop it. We can take a deep breath. We can say, look, I need, I, I need five minutes to go like center myself, or I need an hour, or I need the rest of the day, or I need a week, or whatever we need to get our centers back to be able to see ourselves and feel ourselves as whole and look and love and feel the one that we do love that, that we're having this issue with as whole, 
as whole people. Mm-hmm. And then we can come together and say, is it possible for us to listen to each other? And I follow, I follow a skill practice that comes from um, my work with an organization called the Compassionate Listening Project. And the Compassionate Listening Project has um, trainings all over the country and even in different parts of the world that teach skills and a philosophy um, that can help us when we get into these places where we are just out of control with each other and we're just reaction, reacting. We're not, we're not listening anymore. Mm-hmm. And then can you, at, at, I'm sure you're going to say yes to this, but I, I want to bring it up anyway, or, and then I'm going to attach a how-to to it. Can you get to the place where you um, can respond to that trigger before it becomes behavior? Oh, absolutely. Um, it also takes a lot of um, self-awareness and um, a, a practice of uh, being able to reconnect to our centers, even in the fire. But sometimes, you know, conflict is not a bad thing. Um, it's knowing how to be in conflict and allowing the fire, staying in the fire, and being willing to keep trying to come to those, that centered place with another person. But yes, absolutely, we make mistakes. You know, you asked me about Maya Angelou during the break, mm-hmm. and one of the things that she said to me in the interview that I have in our book, Daughters of the Moon, is that she makes mistakes all the time. All the time she makes mistakes in relationship, and she has to back up and start over. She has to apologize to the person that she's hurt. She needs to apologize to her face in the mirror. She apologizes to the divine, the God, the goddess that she holds to her uh, as her spiritual guide, and she has to let it go. She has to let go that she made that mistake and start over again and to ask the person who loves her or who says that they love her or who that she believes if she's in a loving relationship with to forgive her. Forgiveness of oneself and forgiveness of another and forgiving is getting us back into our hearts back into a place where we can love, where we can listen from our hearts to another person and then express ourselves from our hearts to another person. Mm-hmm. That's the most healing and beautiful relationship we can, we can develop with someone we love. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I want to do a little segue here about Maya Angelou. You, uh, you did get to interview her and... and during the break, we did talk about that and, and how profound that was, and I know you don't have the time to tell the whole story of that, but I, I just want to recognize sort of uh, that that interview that you had with her was extremely profound for you and for and I'm sure as it sure I'm sure it would be for me. I would love the chance to interview her as well. Um, that said, I want to talk a little bit about this vulnerability. I know that one of the things that happens so many times in discussions is that we we tend to uh, have expectations of other people. And I hear, uh, so many times as I'm doing therapy, I hear people say, well, I would never do that. And, and you know, of course, that's, that's generally how we think. I wouldn't do that, so nobody else should do that either. And so we develop expectations about what other people should do. And that is, we think part of our role as a parent is to teach our children what they should do. And so, so many people 
uh, out there hear, well, if you're not telling your child what to do, you must not be parenting. And so I want to talk a little bit about this vulnerability that the parent might have with a child that opens up room for discussion. Well, I think, I think that um, this is a different paradigm to tell children what to do sometimes works when they're young and you can threaten them and you can punish them and you can, you can, if you do, I suppose, you can give them a slap, you know, on the fanny or something to try, to try to control a child. And that, that might work when they're young. It might work in terms of scaring them, in terms of threatening them, in terms of... Um, causing them to say, ouch, I'm not, well, I shouldn't do that anymore. But all that does is, uh, is deaden their spirit. That's all that does is deaden their spirit. And it doesn't really accomplish much. It may make the, the parent feel that they've, they've succeeded, and maybe for a time they have in their way succeeded, but it isn't the long-term success, and it doesn't create a relationship where when they get older, they're going to want to consider you a wise parent, someone they can truly talk with, someone they can really learn from, someone whose wisdom they can honest, they honestly want. And we make mistakes all the time as parents, and then we have to back up and apologize and say, I didn't do that well. I didn't do that well. Let me try again. It doesn't work for me to yell you into um, submission or hit you into submission you know, that does not succeed in what I really want, which is to have you take care of yourself to the best of your ability, love yourself fully. This body of yours is, is, is so precious to me. This life that you have is so precious to me. Please don't hurt it. But when we tell our children, you know, as, as, we, as they get older, when they can understand and when they can listen, when we share with them our truth, I am afraid for you. I am scared for you. Just listen and hear this for a minute. If you, my, what I think is if you do this and if you do that and if you do this, here's what's going to happen. That's my experience. Those young people, when they hear the truth, the essential, when they feel our essential selves and our, our authentic selves, as you say, when they hear the ring of the truth and of our truths as being held by us, not put on them. They can open and listen. And sometimes they may not hear us right away, but it sinks in. And it really sinks into their hearts where it can sink in rather than in their minds where it can do more damage than good in the long run and hurt the relationship more than in the long run if we just... Because we ultimately, my parents could not control me. No matter what they did or said, I went and did what I wanted to do anyway. And I know if my mother's listening, she's probably laughing right now because she couldn't control me. My spirit, my beautiful, authentic spirit called me to do certain things that she would never have approved of or agreed to, but I needed to do that for myself. And when I hurt myself, I became a wounded healer. Those areas that I hurt myself were great teachers for me. 
And now I can share that with young people. And if they listen, and if they're open, they can listen and learn and hear from me what hurt me and make new choices for themselves out of that. But I can't control them. I can't tell them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. They, unless they just really say, hmm, maybe she's right, they're going to do what they're going to do. That's right, that's right. We're going to talk a little bit more about this whole issue of control when we come back right after the break. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, 
back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. We're talking today to Linda Wolf, who is the founder and executive director of Teen Talking Circles. And uh, we were talking before the break about this whole notion of what it is to sort of be a parent and, 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 and recognize the real truth that we really don't have control over other people. Even when our children are little bitty, we said this during the break, even our children are little bitty, um, we may be able to care for them, and then when they hit two, what we call the terrible twos, they start asserting their own decisions about their own lives, and we may be able to smack them and make them sit down, and we might be able to scare them or manipulate them or uh, guilt them in some way into behaving appropriately as we see it. But really, it's, we're not changing their inner nature. We're just sort of uh, fooling ourselves into believing we've controlled something because ultimately the bottom line about control is it's each person's choice about what they're going to do. The child chooses temporarily to listen to us, but later they may make another choice. And when they get to be teenagers, we certainly don't have that control because they're going to go and pursue stuff. So as you were saying, um, you know, it's, it, it works better in terms of working, not in any kind of manipulative sense of working, but in the sense of just being able to uh, really have a real relationship with your child to, to ask questions, to, to find out what they're thinking and feeling. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Andrea, when, when my daughters were young and they darted out into the street, you know, I, you betcha, I, like, yanked them and gave them a, you know, don't do that, you know, and scared them, you know, to try to help them to, of course, not run out into the street. Mm -hmm. We have to do some of those things as parents, but we need to take them in our arms afterwards, you know, and say, my darling, listen, this is a car. Check it out. This car can hurt you, or this this is fire. Put your finger close to it. It ouch! It hurts. Don't put your hand near that. Right. And we have to teach children sometimes that way. But I think that it we need to come from a whole new paradigm around child rearing, where we see the we don't call these the terrible twos at all mm-hmm. anymore. Where we see and we honor that our children are starting to uh, know for themselves what they like and what they don't like, and to listen to them. Mm-hmm. I think some of the worst mistakes I've made as a mother have been when I, I thought they didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, my daughter would say, I really want this. I really want to, uh, to do gymnastics. And I looked at her and I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know about gymnastics for her. And I didn't listen. And later in life it turned out that she knew exactly what she wanted, mm-hmm. and what she wanted was gymnastics. And, you know, I think that comes from a real faulty premise, and the premise is that our children come here as like empty vessels or something, and we're supposed to mold them into people, and they don't have anything in there unless we put it there. And, and that's a real archetypal kind of thing that, that, that they're just almost like soulless energies until we until we add something to the pot and i just don't believe that i think people come here as authentic beings and what our job as parents is to be able to to mirror that back to them to be able to say i see you being real i hear you being real and and with teenagers there's so, with every human being regardless of their age 
there's a co-learning, a co-mentoring, a co-offering. Um, I learn as much from the teenagers in my life and the ones that I work with in Circle as they learn from me. We, we are there as teachers for each other. And I think that's one of the paradigm shifts is especially when we do circle and with mixed generations, intergenerational work, is that one of the things that uplifts and really gives a sense of confidence and self-esteem to young people is when an older person looks to them, too, to teach them, to teach us what they know. Absolutely. And that, that's why I believe that our work with Teen Talking Circles has gone on so long, nearly 17 years, and why the kids come every week after school, one day a week for nine months out of the year without being forced to go. You know, they look for it, they wait for it, because it's such an incredibly different space, a space that they can be in where they are seen, honored, and valued, uh, and feel that they have great things to offer everyone right. in the circle. Uh, and that's not some, that's, that, that isn't part of uh, our quote-unquote traditional uh, methodology in, the, in school systems. Mostly kids are in schools where it's a war zone 24-7. Right. And they're, they're, they're made to feel power over. You know, it's a rare teacher who allows power with who doesn't need to wield authority in order to gain control of a classroom, but who actually has authority because that teacher is interested and um, encouraging uh, a spaciousness of, um, of, of giving energy back and forth with the classroom, of, of, of learning back and forth that it isn't a one-way, it's a holistic um, circular way. Right. And I, and I was just thinking that as you were starting. I remember a time when, when my daughter said to me, Mom, I don't want to make you feel stupid. And I said, please make me feel stupid because you're supposed to advance beyond me. I'm not supposed to hold the, uh, the light. Eventually you're going to carry the light. And, and I think that's how it's supposed to be. And there is such a power with kind of dynamic with that. And and I do wonder how how applicable that would be to school systems. I mean, because as you were talking out in my mind, I was hearing teachers go, "Yeah, right. We have time for that." Uh huh. But but really, absolutely, I think you get more from a student when you're listening. So how 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 much could this apply to our school systems? Could well, in my opinion, um, and in the opinion of of many people in the world today. There's a great paradigm shift happening. It's, you know, systems theory and, and is a very um, accepted understanding that we aren't rugged individualists. We are part of, of living systems. And our living systems are, are also the living systems of school systems. Uh, how are those run? How are they managed? If they're top-down, uh, you know, there's some hierarchy that's necessary, but if they're if they're based in only top-down uh, power over systems organizationally, uh, that's what's going to come out at the other end. Children are going to then, or young people are going to then 
be the products of that system. Whereas if the system itself uh, is changed, and that takes a lot of courage because we get very comfortable with the systems we have, and that comfort lulls us into continuing with, with the same system, even if the system's not working and we know it's not working. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to um, accept that change needs to happen. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And, but it needs to start with the individual, and it also needs to be um, implemented in the systems uh, that, we par- that we participate in in, lo- in our lives. There's a tremendous greening happening. Um, there's spiritual openings happening. Uh, Joanna Macy's uh, work, The Great Turning, talks about all these changes taking place on, on, in three main ways, um, spiritually, in holding actions, uh, through activism, tree sits, um, and in new um, organizations that have, have been born from a new paradigm and that are affecting and can affect and, uh, our lives holistically in all the areas of our lives, our businesses, um, our school systems, our religious institutions, all institutions can be shifted and changed. And it's just a shift. It's a shift in perception and a shift in perspective. Um, And it's a a shift that will nurture life and nurture us on this planet. If not, the planet will no longer... I mean, I personally don't believe that Gaia can take much more, and I'm not alone in that, certainly, uh, of a system that is um, not life-supportive. Right. And, and that phrase, not life-supportive, not only does it apply to the green or the not-green world, but it, but it is applicable to our systems as they are today because when we assume that it is disrespectful of an adult for a for a teenager to say, no, this is something I really want, then we're we're not supporting their life. Do you agree with that? Well, um, I know that being a mom, uh, there are things that that I did have control over, you know. Uh, that I didn't want my daughter to do that she really wanted that I could in, that I in my wisdom felt that later she would regret and there are those times that you know I may have won if you want to look at it that way and she may be grateful later um, and there are other times when I need to back off and um, allow her to learn even if it's a mistake, and I need to be able to go to a friend or to someone that, you know, my husband, my husband or my other daughter and say, I am so, I am so scared. What do I do? She's going to do it anyway. I got to let her do it. What happens if it hurts? You know, and have my own little girl taken care of, me inside, the pain and fears I have that I have to go, you know, and just, bite my tongue. Um, but it's, it's, it's a discernment. We all have to discern when something is just, we can't hold it and we have to do it this way, and when we can hold it or we can do it another way. Okay. All right. 
We'll be back to talk some more about that right after the break. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today to Linda Wolf, the founder and executive director of Teen Talking Circles. Um, you know, der- just before the break, we were talking about that whole idea of just being sort of true to yourself. We talked about how that might impact the um, school systems, etc. I want to talk a little bit now about how you moved. You, you started off working only with girls, and there was a time of transition when you began to work with boys. How did that happen, and what effects have you seen as, as a result of that? Um, the girls who were in the first two-year talking circle would often be driven to to the circle by their boyfriends, mm. um, who at one point called them feminazis back then when that term was being floated around. And it challenged us as a group. We, we sat there and we went, uh, well, hmm, why don't we invite them to a meeting with us? the boys, and we'll call it gender talk, and they can see what it feels like to sit in circle in this kind of safe space and talk from their hearts and listen from their hearts and share with the young women rather than joke about this that, we're, that, that was going on. Well, they took our challenge, and the boys came to a day-long gender talks, and we had some men who we trusted and, um, and who could lead the young men in facilitating a small group uh, during that day with just, just the boys and men. And at the end of the day, the young men there said that uh, they, they asked the older men if they could have a group too. And so we started doing, uh, or the men said yes, and we started doing one day a week teen guy groups as well. That was back in early 95, 96. And... Um, that first group lasted for a couple of years. They met alone, and then we had gender talks periodically together with them. And there was tremendous growth, and that, that's reflected in our first book, Daughters of the Moon, Sisters of the Sun. We have a whole chapter on the gender talks experience. After that group was over and we took time to write, to write we stopped meeting with Circle for about two years and then picked it up again afterwards. Um, it was much harder to try to form a new teen guy talking circle. Some of the male, male mentors, uh, one male leader that I knew that said he didn't believe it was possible for guys to sit in circle together and do what we did as women. They needed to go hiking. They needed to go out and start, you know, big bonfires and, and, and drum and do only that. that. That was the only way that we could have them get close to themselves. It had to come in from the side. And we disagreed. We felt that um, that young men, just as much as young women, need a safe space where they can tell the truth, if not more so because it's so unusual in our culture for young men to be able to share their authenticity, to share their fears without being called uh, names, girl, gay, bag, all of these things that, are, that dehumanize their... Uh, the sides that are so sensitive and and needy 
of a place to feel like they can tell their truth. What are they afraid of? Our culture seems to make of men, they must be strong. They must be this. They must be that. There's a wonderful um, exercise we do with young men and women in a gender talk day, which is called the gender box. And we ask them to define, what is it you're told to be a man? What does it mean to be a man? And we create a box. And inside that box, we put all the words that they're told that it means to be a man. And then we say, well, then what is it that it, you're told to be a man you shouldn't be? You know, if, if, to be a man, you shouldn't be this. And we take all those words, and we put them on the outside of the box, and we show them that this is the box they're living in. This is the box, and this is outside the box, and that their whole selves are all of that. And that, when it's received, by a young man is so profound to see that all the things that they're told they shouldn't be are what girls are told they should be to be a woman, and all the things they're told that they should be are all the things that women and girls are told not to be if they are to be a woman. Once the young people see this, they realize they can break out of that gender box and be all of who they are, and that is the most profound way to be in the world, Mm -hmm. not to be limited by someone else's prescription, expectation, pronouncement, um, judgment, definition of what it, be, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl. And then they can choose. They can choose what feels the most authentic for them from the whole panoply of, of options rather than the box that they're trying to fit into. That's a beautiful exercise. That's beautiful. And so you still now have ongoing groups for boys and girls. We, we have, we, I live on an island, and on the island we have a girls group, a guys group, and a mixed gender group. We, um, we have trainings, usually three trainings a year right now that I do with my daughter, who was in circle with me, who's now training with me. Uh, and we train people all over the world in how to run teen talking circles in their communities. We also have women's sacred circle retreats and mixed gender sacred circle retreats for adults in um, Mexico, in the little town in Mexico that we work in, and other options that people and opportunities. Okay, well, I want to say that you can contact Linda Wolf through www.teentalkingcircles.com. Dot org. Dot org, sorry, dot org. And um, I want to thank you again, Linda, for being here today. And tune in next week when we're going to be talking some more about listening, about loving. And don't forget, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.